Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast. Um, this week we have uh, Alan from Grokashi. We have a pretty awesome guest this week. Um, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, uh, we also have uh, Roger. How y'all doing? Hey Roger, how are you? We got nice Marty. Hello. <laughs> we got um, Hogmaster. How's everybody going? And we got Fish Contra Shit, I got bumped to the back of the bus. What's going on, everybody? So, a couple of quick announcements. Um, if you're interested, um, I will be speaking at the uh, Aquaponics Association meeting, uh, which is the first week in November. If anyone's uh, coming to that, um, uh, I'm going to do a talk on aquaponic cannabis, which will be pretty fun. Um, and then um, we will also, uh, Ken from Ouroboros will be there, as well as Charlie Schultz will also be there. They were on the show last week. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, definitely check that out. I think they still have tickets available. Alrighty. Um, oh, also, uh, if you guys are around this weekend and you're in the Portland area, make sure you make it up to uh, the Dew Grows Cup. Uh, Marty and I will both be there, and uh, we're gonna have a good time. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been interesting trying to get there, and and <laughs> some funny stuff has happened to me because of it, but it's okay. How far away from Portland are you still? <laughs> me? Yeah. I'm in Half Moon still. Yeah, you've made no progress. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. We're we're leaving like first thing in the morning. So. Well, it's only like it's, it's only like twelve hours. It's only twelve hours from. All right. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, I have a a bunch of cool stuff going on, and uh, it'll be fun. So. Um, Oh, lastly, uh, we have the, the online and in-person aquaponic cannabis class on the 21st and 22nd, uh, in-person at Ouroboros online. Um, it's with me and Marty for the online and in, you know, in-person as well. Um, it'll be a pretty cool class. There's a lot of cool, pe cool people coming to this uh, class this time, so um, I think uh, everyone will really enjoy it. Um, so thanks a lot, Alan, for uh, for joining us this week. Um, uh, we're going to tell people a little bit more about uh, what you do and, and um, a little bit about Krokashi and, and, you know, what it is. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, guys. It's been a long day already. <laughs> uh, I do solid-state fermentations that can work uh, to supply your garden with probiotics, the prebiotics to, to keep them happy and alive, and I help you increase your nutrient density at the same time by providing plenty of uh, trace minerals, vitamins, minerals, things like that for your garden. Awesome. Okay. Now, are um, these like a powder that's like top dressed or is it something you do with a tea or how is it uh, delivered to the system? Well, Bokakis are really, they're a multi-purpose type probiotic that can be done by just about anyone. You start with a, a quality inoc inoculant or if you uh, need to produce or can produce your own IMOs and your own lactic acid bacteria, then you could use your own inoculant. But uh, we just take a, a substance like in our, for instance, 
uh, organic certified hard red winter wheat bran. And we use a barrel and we uh, mix it up with trace minerals. And in, in our case at Grokashi, we use a, a human grade multivitamin mineral complex and uh, fresh juice beets, EM1. Mix that up to around 60 to 65% uh, humidity content, pack it in the barrel, uh, ferment it for around two weeks minimum. And then you can go ahead and dry it. And what it's going to do is just going to prolong the shelf life of our favorite uh, uh, bacterial strains, at least. It's very hard to keep them, you know, in, in the fluid for more than a couple years. But we could keep them in a, in a Bokasi in a controlled environment for, for years on end. Maybe, I, I would say, safely seven years. And just out of curiosity, when you were talking about the lactose uh, mentioned in IMO, um, now, for myself, I would just, when I hear IMO, I think it's an abbreviation for in my own opinion. But what oh. is it uh, in this case? That would be microorganisms. So many of our people are very fond of uh, th their own microorganisms that are well accustomed to the growing environment or their locale. And what we're really talking about is using microorganisms to outcompete pathogenic microorganisms or probiotic microorganisms. Um, the probiotics like lactobacillus and yeast and things that have been used for, for, for centuries and for just about ever, as far back as we can go in our written history, for fermenting foods. Nice. So by out-competing, you're basically saying all those good bacteria take up all the rooms that are available and it puts up like a no-vacancy sign for all the bad stuff. No, I wouldn't say that. I, kind of. But what it would do is it would keep those pathogenic microorganisms at the proper ratios. Like just you and I uh, eating or ingesting probiotics, we never would want them to kill out, for instance, like all the candida that's in our own bodies because the candida has a purpose. It just is out of control in many people. And, you know, we have pathogenics, uh, microorganisms and bugs and things in our, you know, in the cannabis industry, of course, that are oftentimes, oh, sorry, great Dane burp, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, get, they get out of proportion. When, when we keep everything very clean and, and go the route, you know, that the synthetic fertilizer uh, regimes or um, just modern agriculture would take us, it opens the door. Uh, it's why we have to use so many pesticides because the natural, the things that in nature would have kept those pests or those pathogens, you know, under control, they're not there. And so we have to put those things in our gardens or in ourselves. Awesome. Have you, uh, so have you experimented with, um, like what kind of other ingredients have you also experimented with, with your lactobacillus ferments? Have you found anything else that uh, ended up particularly interesting or um, noteworthy? Well, you know, we started out just making a normal EM Bokasha using, you know, wheat bran and rice bran. And uh, where our group came from, the Probiotic Farmers Alliance came from, was we said to the most notable growers that we could find and that we knew, if you were going to make one of these Bokashi ferments for your garden, what would you put in it? And so after trials and tribulations, we came up with the, uh, the recipe that we stick to now. So I guess 
I was if I was going to answer you, I would say the most surprising thing that we put in there would be a fully human grade multivitamin mineral complex. That's awesome. <clears throat> One of the things that I talk about on the show uh, pretty often and recommend to a lot of people that I talk to, especially new growers, is the probiotic uh, wellness garden that is obviously a project that you've been uh, been close to, I would say, or been the pioneer of in many aspects. Do you want to take a minute to talk about what that is? Because it's you know, it's also kind of what we're touching on here in terms of having, you know, the controlled inputs that you want, you know, like if you could just, you know, take a pot, what would you want to put into it to get the best results? And I think, you know, that's kind of what you guys have done and dialed into a point where pretty much anybody can fill this stuff in into a box and put a plan in it and, and get decent results, which I think is great for, uh, especially for new growers coming into it as medical patients it allows them to start producing for themselves right away. Yeah. If you're, if you're really into living soils, a sub-irrigated planter is where, like my friend Reb Rebsky, you know, and I, and many of us have ended up at the end of the trail using sub-irrigation. And most of us have found that, you know, it was the answer uh, for farming to our ancestors in many cases too, whether it be, you know, uh, farming methods like hugel culture, which might have existed at earlier points or alongside hugel culture, things like Cherokee mound farming, or um, even the the technology that was, you know, behind what they call the hanging gardens of Babylon. You know, today, right now, as we speak, there are archaeologists that are still digging up entire fig farms in that region, or what the region we thought it was, that that are sub-irrigated. And it just makes sense. Of course, none of our our ancestors that were wise would have top-watered if they were living in a desert region. Right. Just because of lack of success, probably like out of necessity, they needed to do something different when you think. Yeah. And you know, those people were also very good at fermentation that they're, they're probably far beyond ours to come to, you know, mass scale fermentation, whether it be beer or like Russian kvass, any of those drinks that are uh, a lot of lactic acid uh, bacteria based. They were the kings of a kind of like a low alcohol beverages like that. Right. And again, out of necessity, right? Because lack of refrigeration and being in the desert and all that, all that kind of stuff, you, you know, you have to be able to conserve what you have and that's what they did. Yeah, I suppose they, they were masters at it. I mean, we think about hardly going out in the desert and, and growing right now, you know, you structure to make that happen. Right. So the, um, the probiotic wellness garden, like I, you know, we mentioned that and, uh, do you have any other projects like that? Do you want to take a little bit of time to talk about, or I know you're, you're super swamped right now with, uh, Grokashi and trying to expand into some more stores and, I think the PFA uh, group, what, I mean, 20-some thousand now, right? 25,000, I think, getting ready to hit, right? Yeah, I think we're just, we're just coming up on 25,000 members, and we're, we're talking today about uh, what we would do to celebrate, what kind of contest we might have again. Normally, it's a, you know, who has the best picture of mycelium uh, contest or something, but we'll have to, as a group, come up with, with what we're going to do now. Uh, 
I got lucky with the probiotic wellness gardens, you know, my partners uh, that saw what I was doing online and what we were doing as a group got together and helped to market the thing. And so uh, it's been popular enough that Central Garden Distribution and Supply and time I picked it up and we're talking with sunlight currently. So yeah, that, you know, I didn't, I had no idea that we would be first to market with a, a basically a ready to run garden in a box. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I, th- I think I'm proud that we may we may be working with the Steiner School in Sacramento fairly quickly here, and helping uh, to do a curriculum for agriculture, like uh, biomimicry and agriculture, which is just, that box is a it's just a representation of nature and how it works with the mycelium underneath of down and intelligently delivering what it wants and when it wants it to the plant that it's living in symbiosis with. It's really, when you see the wonderment in a child's eyes when they pull the plastic cover back on the box and they see what, you know, before we would have thought that was just mold, you know, and to, to, to know and to learn to kid at the, at those levels, how nature works. I feel like we're, we're getting to these kids and teaching them natural agriculture before, you know, and I don't like to call names, but before people like High Times, you get to them and they see the fancy ads and they think that you have to have the seven to 12 part fertilizer regime or you can't possibly grow, you know, great cannabis or whatever they're growing. Right. <clears throat> like it, it costs everybody to grow, you know, like, so much like it just seems like such a scam in the long run you know like it even if it works or doesn't work like just the excess amount of money spent in order to make a profit is irritating at best um and then on top of that one of the things you guys talk about uh, a lot in the pfa is the the way that they deliver those nutrients as well and the um the lack of mm-hmm. beneficial runoff um it is a major issue, especially on uh, on large scale, and um, and I, I think kind of the concept of of what you want to do is remediation. It's something you seem to touch on over and over again. You have you have your Gorkashi bags in the creek. You want to talk about remediation for a minute? I know it's one of the things that you like to to touch on. Well, you know, I'm in a way I'm kind of one of those conspiracy guys. Uh, but I, I know the conspiracies really happen and have throughout history. And I feel like if we were to keep on farming using these, these fairly new methods taught to us with all these fertilizers that are, you know, uh, building up in our creeks, our lakes, and even our oceans now, that there might be a point where they could actually make a valid point and take our, our right to farm away from us. And a lot of people are like, yeah, right. But you know, there are acts that have almost made it through Congress and such where we want to farm. Can you imagine not being able to go out in on your front lawn or your back lawn or your rooftop if you had to and grow something to eat, to lose a right that's at that level? So I figured, well, if what we did in the dairy industry, which was use the lactic acid bacteria runoff, from the corn silage that we covered to help to bioremediate 
the heavy metals in the, the cow manure that would end up in the lagoons from, because, uh, you know, they get a lot of uh, growth hormones pumped into them and, and uh, pharmaceuticals, antibiotics especially, and they build up in the bottom of the manure lagoons and it becomes a major problem. We found out that we were remediating it with the beneficial runoff if a silage pit was done right. And I thought when I came into this industry, well, why don't we do the same thing, you know? Uh, get into and adopt beneficial runoff as a way to uh, ward people off if they came and tried to take our right to farm away from us. Because if we as farmers aren't solving this problem, who's going to? Right. I mean, it's definitely not going to get regulated into place, right? That doesn't seem to, they don't have any interest in. Well, we can count on our government to take care of us. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do that. That's that's sarcasm from fish, by the way. <laughs> that's huge sarcasm. I hate our government right now. It's such a pile of shit. Although I'm loving the, the footage of uh, Trump doing, uh, you know, free throws with the uh, paper towels. That was probably one of the better things I've seen in a while. <laughs> it's funny. I'll say that. I don't know. He just assumes that uh, all Puerto Ricans are cleaning ladies, apparently. No, my favorite's when he was uh, outside that person's house. It's just a total wreck. And he tells them, have fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking douchebag. Yeah, that's just the more political theater, I suppose. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, I don't, I didn't vote for him. I don't want him there. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, I just stopped watching it. And I don't, besides that, I don't, you know, I don't really know what else to do. Like, I'm tired of worrying about whether or not we're going to go to war with North Korea. Like, I got shit to do. So, like, well, I know so probably is not Red Dawn and you'll be ready for it. Right. Like, whatever. I'm so not prepared right now. If they drop a nuke, I'm just, I'm just dead. I'll go to Alan's house. Live in a shipping container greenhouse. Yeah, so, Alan, do you want to talk about that? You have some pretty cool greenhouses. Good segue, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I've been kind of not talking about this here because I talked about them for the last two years and they come visit me all the time. We never yeah. got in much trouble or anything. Matter of fact, we never got in any trouble. But it adds up, man, when you see people coming off pistols drawn. You know, like I have my dogs, my Great Dane dogs and all in a... I can't imagine them getting shot down, you know, how, how we would react to that. So this year we just didn't really publicize many gardens. Mm. Of course we have our normal gardens because really there's only a couple people that would, uh, that I would even like trust that they, they grew some, some decent smoke correctly for us. Uh, there's more every day. I'll say that, but right now I feel like, should just be like working on making sure your own farm can uh, can help you pay your way because I have you guys seen what's happened to the grocery prices over the last couple of years? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Whole Foods prices just came down. You growing your own foods better than printing money? Hmm. I didn't hear that. Growing foods worth like printing money. He said, "Yep." Oh yeah, hundred bucks a month on your bro- growing your own produce. Yep, sure. Absolutely. 
Best veggies I've ever had came from my own backyard. That's for damn sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I have. I, you know, I started growing food before I grew cannabis and aquaponics. It wasn't until I grew tomatoes and, you know, big tomatoes and, you know, red, healthy, and lots of them. And, you know, there, we weren't even doing, you know, the dual root zone stuff then. And, you know, so I, I stopped listening to all of my grower buddies that told me aquaponics was going to be terrible um, for growing it. And, it, you know, like, just was going to be larky and terrible. Everything's there. I mean. Yeah. Didn't make any sense to me. Like, it was the same people that would, like, you know, because, you know, I, I mentioned a lot of, I spent a lot of time in the Redway, Garberville area. And obviously, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of different growers in that area that, that do things a lot of different ways. And, uh, and uh, my, uh, some of my friends down there, you know, that was kind of the thing to do was build you know, weird indoor grow rooms. I had, I had friends that made like octagon grow rooms and all these different things with vertical lights in the middle and, you know, all these different setups. Yeah. And, stuff. and they would go through all, all this work um, and they would have these fancy hydro systems and they would have to, um, you know, they'd have to clean out the tank like every, you know, five days or something like that. And they all had these regiments that they would go through and, you know, in there mixing with all their bottles and all this stuff. And they would act like all of that was no problem. But if you had to supplement aquaponics, like even this much, it was just like too much work. That's just too much work. I got to feed the fish and pour in another bottle of stuff. Like that's just too much. And I couldn't figure out how go, like, how is that more work when you're pouring everything into this other system and cleaning it? multiple times a month and i like i drain my tank and like maybe rinse it out once a year yeah well you know unfortunately here in the Emerald triangle sometimes trying to tell a grower that's maybe made a couple hundred thousand dollars you know some kid maybe a kid who's made a million bucks already right trying to tell him how to grow in a, a in a fashion anything different than how he made his money will go right. over about as well as trying to tell him how to better make love to his wife. Exactly. Heard that. Yeah. And and so I think that, that come across a lot. So finally when I just stopped listening to them and I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I hate to be so cliche, but if I can get these big, nice tomatoes, then it doesn't seem like there's any reason why I wouldn't be able to grow cannabis. And so finally I just stuck some in. I, I think I saw on YouTube at that time, there was a, uh, the only guy on there was Silver Arm. And that was like, he'd done it and it came out pretty decent and he didn't supplement with anything. And I, I had read worm bins already. It was just le using the, um, you know, the, the worm leech it from uh, the bottom of the, of the worm bins and putting that into my aquaponic systems to grow tomatoes and food and stuff for myself to offset my own costs. And uh, so I just threw some, some uh, clones in there one year and, uh, and it, it came out amazing, uh, especially in the outdoor system and uh, built a little one indoor to play around with in the wintertime also and just kind of kind of grew up from there. And then in the big aquaponics group was where uh, where I hooked up with Steve and um, the different stuff that he'd already been doing with dual root zone. And uh, who was that originally? Was that Vlad, Steve, that was? Uh, he, Vlad, Vlad was using it over in Serbia. And then actually I dug up. It's funny you mentioned that I actually dug up an article from 1998 uh, from, um, I forget what group it was. Hold on. I think I posted it on the Facebook group. Wait a second. It was an old school growers forum. 
anyway. Oh yeah, so, the, the first mention uh, of it. Yeah, I saw you yeah. posted it. Yeah, it was on cannabis.com. That's where it was from way back in '98. So that's cool. So yeah, that was that was kind of how I got into it. Was just uh, was growing food first before I I grew any cannabis. And once I you know once I done that, it was you know and, and stopped listening to all of my grower friends that said it wouldn't work. Literally all of them were like, no, it's going to be terrible. There wasn't one of them that was even like, hey, it might work. You should try it. So I don't know. Maybe that just means they friends. What happened when you got him to finally try it? Oh, there was some crow that was eaten. Let me tell you, because um, I mean, it, it came out, came out amazing. Nobody tells me anymore that you can't do it. So that's probably like the biggest thing that came out of it. But like, even some of my close friends that are like, you know, when everybody like ponies up to the table at the smoke sesh and everybody like is like, hey, what do you got over there? And you end up smoking like mostly your bud the entire time. Like to me, that just that says enough. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So that was uh, that was definitely the you know the turning point was that that outdoor run. I think was probably that I grew a, was a platinum delight, which was uh, uh, platinum cookies by Blue Power, and it came out like super purple and crystally and dense. I mean, just everything that they said it would never be. And so that was, that for me was like, I, I don't think I've, uh, I know I haven't bought any, but I don't think I've even like smoked anything that like, even the stuff that people give me, I might like try a little bit of it. But if I don't know how it's grown, generally I just give it to somebody else who shows up looking for weed. Um, I'm just, I'm a snob now. I can afford to be, I guess. So, do you do you use molasses or any other sugar? And then, have you tried anything other than molasses? You know, maybe experimented with different sugars in your ferments. Are you talking to me or? So, when you do your labs, uh, are you using molasses as well? And then, um, do you, you know, have you experimented with other sugars or anything else in place of that uh, experimentally? Oh yeah, if we were talking about bokashi making, yeah, yeah, we can use any sugar store, whatever we have uh, would have been around in low times. But I really look at it as it's a, it's a survival technology. It's something everyone should know how to do. All of our ancestors knew how to do. Um, I think a lot of our IMOs that we talked about earlier, the indigenous microorganisms, are contained in those quality sugar sources if you get them locally already. So a lot of the, the bacteria that we would have to culture or go and find, well, they're already present in those. I, bums, things like that would be one. Well, you can, I bought some people uh, ferments with the apples, things like that, so that the sugar and everything are, are present. Huh. I never thought of that. That's really cool. So you're saying it's better off just to do your own local ferments from, from locally sourced fruit and things? Well, no. I think that what you should do is learn the technology first, whether it be through like KNF or through, uh, um, you know, EM1, the Tarohiga that did uh, um, uh, 
I'm forgetting which book uh, has the practical applications. But if you learn how to do it yourself, number one, you know, you'll always have that skill. And so that if you did have to feed yourself in, in crunch time, you know, you, you know how. And number two, it, it will make you kind of have more respect for some of the larger companies out there that provide these materials for you in that you'll learn through making your own bacteria serum how important cleanliness is and what it would actually have a shelf life on your product for you know two years which most of them are required to have and during the learning process you can kind of see about some of the forefathers in the industry and what good works they did around the planet and some of the companies see that they didn't uh, or weren't involved in any, any of that and I would always suggest that you know if you're going to buy a, a product try to pick a product that comes from some good works around the planet you know when you give to not no so we could try to make our own human um, but why kill the goose that's kind of laid in his land, the golden egg? Sure, and I think there's a lot of value in in being able to um, to to just buy a product anyway. I think a lot of people, um, you, you know, even it, like you said, you know, if you want to learn the techniques, that's that's great. And I, I feel that same way about a lot of things, like hunting, for instance. I've I've always been a hunter, uh, you know, since I was very very young, since I was old enough to hunt and maybe a little bit before. Um, and that was just a lot because of the, you know, the people that I grew up in, the area that I grew up in, but it's not, um, you know, obviously I don't do that for all of my meat, but it's kind of a, along that same lines as I, I enjoy knowing how to provide that stuff for myself. And it gives me an appreciation for what the butcher has to go through to, uh, to do that. It's the same for, you know, raising chickens for meat or, or for eggs and what they have to go through to do that. So I think it's kind of along those, those same lines. And we had, um, we had a Colin on from Mammoth P uh, quite a while ago now, I think. But you know, he talked about some of the things that they go through um, in the in in some of the same ways you do it. Talking about the process that you go through um, <clears throat> to fine tune it to be really kind of the best that it can be, um, and not just have it be that sort of DIY, um, you know, uh, setup. And and so like for for them when they create their competitive cultures and they're they're looking for breeds of bacteria that are stronger than others and breeding those and you know they're like 10 or 11 generations deep by the time they get a product to sell um and uh, and what a benefit it is to have those things already done to have the you know the golden egg process laid out for you i think is uh is definitely along those same lines and so I agree that you should know how to make it and, and do as much as you, you want to on your own, but uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with buying just a better product. Sorry and to be I, short I, on this. Um, I think you're breaking up there, Alan. Oh, I'm being left out by my green dog here. <laughs> Are you seeing this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to ask him. Uh, sorry, guys. All right. Yeah, and so why not 
you know, if you go to the culture, because, you know, you, you have other works that you're involved with, you know. I don't see anything wrong with buying uh, these probiotics. Some, some of the people in my own group, they, they want to be like a completely no-bottle culture. And I just don't think that, you know, a lot of them understand, that, you know, all things in moderation. Right, or even bags, right? <laughs> I mean, there, there are, I definitely think there are more responsible ways and less responsible ways of doing things. Um, you know, but I, I definitely also uh, for having options, right? Like, I don't want to just narrow it down to be like, here's the one thing you can buy in a bag in order to be responsible. Um, I, I think it, it matters what's inside the bottle or what's inside the bag. Like, that's like the bottle is not the issue. And I think people in that group definitely kind of lose their way in terms of that. Or not only uh, not only that, but also I feel like there are people out there that don't want anybody to ever make a profit ever. And if you do, then you're just a bad guy. And, uh, <clears throat> and and I think some of that, you know, plays into it a little bit as well, you know, kind of the crab in a bucket thing where as soon as you see somebody starting to climb out, you want to pull them back down to pull yourself up. And, uh, and of course, that never works. So, <clears throat> but I do think that's part of the attitude that plays into mm -hmm. that as well. Yep. So well, have you, uh, kind of, I guess, and, uh, Go ahead. Oh, just a little bit more on the what kind of what I was saying earlier. So, um, what what are some of the other things you you like to tell people to put in their ferments, such as, um, you know, maybe uh, uh, plant material or, you know, other ingredients for for labs that you experimented with. That was really a spotty. Can you say that again? Sure. Um, what ingredients have you experimented with with lactobacillus ferments um, in terms of, uh, you know, other plant materials or other ingredients that, you know, gave you some kind of uh, interesting or unique effect? Did we I think we lost Al for a minute. Yeah, I think we lost Alan. Okay. Hopefully he reconnects here. Hogmaster, your uh, crickets. Thank you. <laughs> he has those. He sits out on the porch. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a little Asian dude. You know, like you see in the in the cartoons, uh, with the little box crickets. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Can't help it; it's way too nice outside to be sitting inside. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Alan to hopefully reconnect here, um, uh, Marty, what have you been up to this week? What have I been up to? What haven't I been up to? Um, so. I sold my house, basically. I mean, we have an accepted offer, and we still have to go through escrow and all this other crap. But, um, and we were supposed to have our offer accepted on another place, and for the second time, got outbid. I guess, although it's, I don't know for sure that it was outbid. It's just that it was a cash offer. Was their reasoning behind it? And ours is a loan, obviously. So I don't know. It's more complicated or something. I mean, they still get a check, so 
it seems like they should not care but uh so maybe they offered more money or what but i mean even this last time we offered ten thousand over asking price and it was like what more do you want us to do um so we have an offer in on another place and hopefully that'll go through but who knows i might if we can't get uh the terms figured out uh i may be homeless for like a week and a half <laughs> i'm not sure how that's gonna work out but um yeah so that's been fun and then work obviously just more computer stuff and uh yeah as far as the grow goes not really a whole lot going on i top dressed um uh what like day before yesterday i think i don't know too busy to remember but uh top dress some castings and fill those up so i'm in about uh what week four i think now somewhere in there um and uh it's going good looks pretty good uh had a few bugs on the last check but really not too many i only had to pull off like maybe two leaves and sprayed some more nucum in a couple of spots but really canopy looks pretty good so hmm. um got everything thinned out it was pretty pretty bushy through the middle so i had to go through and trim off a bunch of stuff that i should have trimmed off probably like you know two weeks ago but uh Grow wise, that's a, that's about it. It's getting cold here, so the outdoor systems are starting to slow down, uh, but still getting like lemon cucumbers and various things out of the back. So, uh, what do we got? Like green onions and chard and tomatoes, all shit ton of tomatoes. Um, no more elderberries though. That's um, all its leaves are dropping, so it's definitely starting to hibernate. Same with the raspberry. So, yeah, fun stuff. Did um, Scotty come by the other day? No, I never heard from him. Oh, okay. Maybe it's this Sunday. Maybe I think that might be what he meant because he said after the cup. So. Oh, yeah, that, that would be okay. That's why I got confused, too, before because I was like, wait, the cup's not Saturday. So, uh, okay. anyway, I think he means he's coming down after the cup, which would be. Yeah this coming weekend so we'll see i'm sure it's cool got a lot of shit going on yeah we all do <laughs> right and so then i'm trying to i'm trying to decide which one i want to go to if i want to go to the cup this weekend or if i want to go to the aquaponics association next month because i can basically only pick one without the wife killing me so um well yeah. this one's a lot cheaper it's a lot cheaper and probably more fun, but yeah. possibly more likely to end in my death. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. When you have, when you have a you know four month old child and you want to just take off to go to a cannabis cup and leave your wife with three kids, that's probably it. Just takes a little selling. That's all I'm gonna say. It takes a little selling. It's a business trip, right, Steve? Yep. Business trip. Yep. It's a business trip. I'll bring my business socks. It's business time. <laughs> so what's up with Roger? Uh, trying to clean up, getting ready to trying to keep trying to clean up. It's getting to that time when it's cooling down enough to really get out and put a push. Uh, 
before it gets you know well we don't get cold till the end of december usually but i don't know anymore with the way the with the way everything's going with this uh, weather you know i just don't know uh i've had to put some fence building on hold because for those of you out there that don't live around here i don't know what your lumber prices are going about but ours increased 300 percent this week and uh all the fence board i was going to buy went from a buck 60 to six dollars a piece well you can't even buy them like they got to buy them in 10 packs you know it was weird i've never seen that ever in my whole life and there's no I, it's just sad so so i'm trying to revamp and figure out what i'm going to do on the, the forum uh, we're going to do well that might be what i do uh, we're doing some revamp into that and going to move some categories around and try to streamline it a little bit i always thought it was a little confusing uh, the way it was laid out originally, although it's attracted a whole bunch of people. Um, I just think it's hard to navigate for people that don't really know um, a lot about growing when they first come. So I think that's what I'm going to be doing is uh, working on our forum a little bit. And uh, I, I think I'm going to bypass the fall grow season because not being able to buy lumber, I can't put up the hoop houses I was going to do and close the ends in because I can't afford to just take the lumber I've got and do that, you know, since I can't, I didn't even look at what two buys are costing after I saw $6 fence picket, you know, so that's what I'm doing. I'm, what was me and trying to figure out where I'm going to do what I'm going to do next because uh, the plans I had are kind of squashed until lumber prices come back down. I think that's from the hurricane or? Yeah, well, all the hurricanes, you know, <laughs> we basically already had two this year, you know. Um, you got another one headed towards you. Yeah, and, and that it depends on how that hits, whether we get the brunt of that too. Well, it you know, in my case, I, I got some wind damage and stuff like that, but, you know, and we had a lot of rain. But overall, we came out of it pretty decent. But on the coast and downtown, you know, it, there was a lot of damage up and down the coast, all the way up. I'm not sure how far up the damage went uh, into North Carolina, but I mean, even though the uh, Matthew went up to, well, I mean, uh, I don't know what the hell the name of it was now, and so many, um, <laughs> which we got hit by Matthew. That was last year, but um, the, that that hurricane that came up the uh, Gulf Coast of Florida. It kind of went right up through Florida on the west uh, on the west side. It it real it was so big when it got to the Panhandle of Florida, it was in Louisiana and South Carolina at the same time. I mean that was a that storm covered the entire southeast and it rained like a son of a bitch, and so it flooded the entire southeast. You know anywhere on the water. You know I I don't know how much people on rivers and all got, but. So we're, we're still, there's a lot of people still picking up a lot. You know, there's a lot of people still homeless or, you know, in shelters because of that. I'm not even sure what it's like in Florida. Uh, I was down there. I went down and rebuilt homes after Hurricane Andrew back in uh, 1993, I think it was. And I saw what Andrew did. Uh, this was worse than Andrew. And, I mean, it just kept coming up, the, you know, the land. It, it, was, it didn't even stay. I mean, it was crazy. It's one of the craziest hurricanes, I think, in history. I'm waiting to see what the 
curious to see the tally if that's not maybe one of the most expensive damaging hurricanes in history i wouldn't be surprised if it was well just on a sheer size i think it'd have to be close oh yeah just like the square miles it took up was crazy well just think about the fact like i'm talking about a piece of lumber went from a buck 60 buck 70 six bucks and and like lowe's you can't even buy it they don't even have they don't even list it in stock you can't even buy it at lowe's there is no fence pickets now why fence pickets i don't i don't know like i don't know um but well, you know what it probably is, is that they're not making fence pickets right now. They're making um, two buys, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's probably what it's all about. They're making two buys, and uh, they're not cutting things up into one by six, six-foot fence pickets. That's probably the deal. But yeah, it's it's going to hit. It's that's just the beginning, and I mean, we're coming into that end of the se- end of the year. I, I'm just I'm very curious to see it. And, and and gas did come down a little bit, but now I'm not sure where that's at because since I'm legally blind, I don't get to drive. You know, that looks nice. Not too shabby. I I'm not sure what that is exactly because I'm not. My eyes are a little fuzzy, but look, is it's, that rosin? Uh, no, this would be. Um, I mean, it's a, it's an extract, I guess. So it would be a, a form of BHO, but it's a, this mix that he does. Steve probably knows more about it than I do. I'm not an extractor by any means. So, um, but he calls it turp sauce. Okay. So from what I understand, it's basically de-waxed and then recombined with terpenes. Does that make sense, Steve? Yeah, so they they make BHO and then they take yeah, then they take extra terpenes from other plants or from other crappier material that they sell, you know, maybe a THC isolate from or a CBD no, he isolate combines from. His with the the same stuff he runs. So. Right, right, but it's a higher ratio when he recombines. He probably has he probably also sells THC or CBD isolate as well, yeah. It's the same equipment. Um, I don't think so, but maybe I can't answer that question. <laughs> I don't know, but I do know that he told me that he like he doesn't add things from other runs. So basically, he'll do a run, he separates it, and then just recombines the terps from that material with the BHO. Does yep. that make sense? Yep. Sweet. I'm going to make him watch this just so we can see I got it right then. <laughs> now that I've got that press, I think I'm going to stick to pressing for sure. That thing looks pretty cool, man. You liking it? It's a lot of fun. Pressing is cool. We have a, a new method that we're going to bring up to the cup here. Uh, we had uh, time to make a few grams stuff before we left. And... Um, yeah, we'll have some pretty cool this new this new way that we're doing it. At a, Tommy's actually on his way up, on his way to to pick me up, which is why he's not on the on the call right now. But uh, he's got some of that. So if anyone's there and wants to try that, uh, we'll have some cool glass and some some stuff to try it out on. Yeah, there's so many different ways to extract it from there, from low temperatures to high temperatures. It's just it's insane. 
I just bought a personal little one gram of rosin forge that you heat up with a torch. And it's getting the guy, and I'm, I, I truly believe it's going to work just as well as the video. He's getting 25 to 30% return. And I mean, you can see. So if you do bubble hash, if you make bubble hash first, and then you do it, you'll get like 80, 90% return. Well, one day I'll, I'll have to get me some, um, I'll have to get some bags and you'll have to, you know, check me out on it again. Because since I don't have any bags, I don't really pay attention when you guys talk about that, other than you, you do it. So, yeah, I might try that. I probably got some stuff that makes some good bubble, you know. Yeah, I like that idea. But it's um, – I even talked to the guy about doing business with him, and he's real excited about that. He's, you know, he's uh, he's starting to get a lot of hits uh, on YouTube, and, and uh, we talked about selling it on the site. And so we got something in the, so I don't want to talk too much about that other than that it might be a nice little business venture to go in on. And, and, uh, we've already even talked about wholesale kind of situation. So, um, it's kind of neat. I, I really like it. It's a, especially good for somebody like an illegal state where you wouldn't want a lot of that laying around. Um, we prefer the term less than legal. Yeah. Less than legal. Yeah. 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 So if, if you were to make, if, if you, you were to, if you were to extract rosin allegedly, <laughs> I saw Steve do it on YouTube once. Hypothetically, yeah. hypothetically, if you were to do that, um, anyway, this is nice because basically now I don't know, you know, how much uh, personally I would uptake, but to me it looks like, you know, somebody that ha doesn't have the tolerance of one one of us that have been consuming high quality genetics for a long time. Um, I, I think it, it's going to be great because you're getting that great return out of it. And I would say a gram can you, you spend five minutes to do a gram. And I would say the average person, that's their medication for a day, you know, and then they don't have a shitload laying around. They just fresh, um, fresh do a, you know, you, it's, it, it's a cylinder thing. You put it in and you heat it up and you squeeze it through and, I mean, it works freaking awesome. I'm, I can't wait to get it because, you know, that'll that'll be nice for me. I don't have a big bulky machine laying around, you know, for people to be nosing about. You know, in fact, if you were looked at it in a drawer, you wouldn't even know it had anything to do with cannabis or extracting or anything. So it's really fucking cool. I can't wait to show it to you guys next week. You know, I'll have one by next week. Is that the one that you sent the pictures of? Was that you or is that Hogmaster? Somebody sent pictures on the chat earlier. Of, uh, oh, that was me of a uh, cooker. The cooker, yeah. That's oh, that's the, that's for doing the coconut oil. Right. I yeah, that, what it, put it, in a, it clamps on the side of the pot and you heat it up. It keeps a steady temperature. You can put it right at 117, 118 degrees to figure it out, and you can you could do your you could do your coconut oil right in the water bath for five days instead of tying up your oven. Dude, I keep looking at my deep fryer going, you know. Exactly. Well, you can do it with that if you can get the temperature, right? It, mine's got a little temperature thing. You just set it. Well, will it get to 117? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I would think that would work. You might. I would. I don't it's know. Tommy's ideal. Before, but I think you'd want to put a little thing, screen, like a metal screen or something on the bottom 
you know, so it wasn't sitting right on the heating element. Uh, so you had some kind of little like a heat sink kind of thing just to and then let the water itself do the cooking. You know, I mean, that's what I've been telling you. You know, we're all thinking a lot about this shit all the time now, you know. Mm-hmm. Just like the, you know. The, I can't the wait to do a butter run. So. <laughs> but it works good. Like I said, uh, Amy used it. And uh, she actually, you know, she she don't ever want to give me credit for anything. And she used it. And she told me flat out it did help. It took a lot of the pain from her oh, foot. Yeah. Yeah, used it topically, topically, and it wasn't even done totally correctly. This was done in an oven where it couldn't get down to 117 degrees. So it was cooked cooked a little too hot, but it still works. You know, so, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not going to dispute that it has to be at that. So, you know, I don't know what the extra 70 degrees, how big of a difference that really makes. You know, overall, though, it did the job of the, it got the extract, it got the, you know, infused the coconut oil and it worked at least to, you know, and, you know, for her to say it worked and it helped that that's big because it must've really had some kind of effect, you know, yeah, it and works. it was topical. It just doesn't, it just doesn't get the full potential of the material out of the plant. I guess Tommy would probably say it doesn't get the, uh, the, the, the highest, the whole percentage of uh, molecules. It's all about the molecules. <laughs> right well i think that i don't know that the temperature would matter as much i mean i don't know i guess because he was talking about i don't just remembering what he said before he was talking about that the the type of oil the coconut oil is allows it to bind at different temperatures you know what you remember that Steve? what was he talking about for for which, which for which part well, he was talking about the difference between coconut oil and like its ability to infuse with coconut oil and then re-deliver it back to your body. And it like works at lower temperatures or fuses at lower temperatures or something like that. Yeah, you get a more a extract. Range. Yeah, more, you get a wider range and, and it just has a better saturation point. You know, you can put more into it. Saturation point. That's what he was talking about. So... I think that part of the reason that coconut oil is so effective is because it has a higher saturation point. And uh, so um, that's what I was trying to remember. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I rewatched that that today because uh, I was thinking about uh, ordering that device that uh, Hogmaster showed you guys earlier. And uh, so I could start doing my own. And uh, so I went, well, I was actually posting some of the podcasts that hadn't been posted yet on the forum. And I know, and just, I clicked on something and it just happened to be the one where Tommy and Dorian were on and they explained the coconut oil process that they came up with. 118 degrees, five hours, let it cool all the way down, you know, re, you know, squish it all out, put it back in, fill it back up with oil again for three days and, you know, all that stuff to be great. And, uh, and, uh, so that was, uh, so I just watched that today, but the one thing now, this is something since we're on the topic, we wouldn't normally, you know, wouldn't have normally brought this up, but since we got on the coconut oil topic, the one thing on the video, when he talked that night about do when he does the decarboxylation mm-hmm. was he didn't say exactly for sure. He didn't clarify what, what temperature you do the decarboxing at. Is that also at one eighteen? 
Well, the trick, the trick to that is, uh, you want to actually, I just did a video on this like yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally on my channel. So you can put them in Mason's jars and then put yeah. them in water and boil it and it'll keep them, you know, right in that 212 to 220 range. Real, you know, real good for decarboxylating and you do that for about an hour you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And then, um, you so can like also can put them in familiar with a hot water bath, right? I mean, it's basically yep. same, yep. same process. So like, that's yep. what that to me was like, Oh, now I get it. You know what I mean? Like, cause I don't know shit about extracting, but I do, I've spent a lot of time about around people canning and stuff. So that was cool. Okay. So you're all right. So let's let, let Steve go ahead and finish your train of thought. So, so, because I've got it, so it's like canning, though. You bring it to a boil for 45 minutes to an hour like you're canning. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yep. And then you can also put it in a Ziploc or a Zip, you know, not a Ziploc, a um, vac bag, you know, like a. Uh, well, I'd go with the mason jar because I've got mason jars. So I would yeah. go with that. It just depends how much you're doing at once, I guess. So you and you and if I remember correctly, we discussed and clarified that for all you people listening tonight, so you're not having to figure out what the hell we're talking about. You fill the jar up all the way too. Yep. You, put, you fill it all the way to the top, and then seal the jar, put it in the water bath for an hour at boiling. It's get it a lot harder to decarboxylate. To answer your question, it's got to get a lot hotter than 117. In order okay, to I got you. Right. So it's a boiling. Uh, cool. That's what the boiling. Yeah, that's why you boil it because then you get it in that you know, two twenty plus minus range, and it stays there, and then you don't no chance of burning it. It's real consistent. Um, you know, if you do it over that longer period of time, it's okay, um, and uh, you know it's it's just works great. Right, and then and then of course he advised us that on that that night that then you let it dry, you let it cool down completely, no matter how long it takes. You just take your time. It's not going to be a, you know, it's going to be a, like he said, don't plan on using it for two weeks. But, you know, so yeah, for you people out there, that, so when you decarboxylate it. Oh, no. So he, he said decarboxylate it and then put it in your, your um, you know, slow cooker for at 120 degrees for five days, I think it was. Right. Oh, well, he also said to let it completely cool down. Yep. But you get it well, after about an hour it's reabsorbed the terps. You could throw it in yeah. the fridge. That's yeah. that's okay. That's what I'm talking about. Re, re reabsorbing the terpenes. And and yep. then and that, after, but it has to cool. Then you put it in the in the water bath at 118. So that's gonna be cool. I can't wait to try that. Especially since Hogmaster found that great device, you know, that looks to me like it's almost, you know, it's for under a hundred bucks. And you have something you can put in a pot. You don't it doesn't monopolize your oven or anything. You just sit it over there and let it let it cook. Yeah, it looks just like a deep fryer. <laughs> it really does. Like yeah. well, actually, it's, it's just the heating it's just, it's yeah. the device clamps on a pot. You just put it right. get any pot. Yeah, you yeah. can get those. It's just a heating element. Like it, yeah, exactly. It's a heating element exactly yeah. with a, with a thermostat. You know. I love the range though too. From like, I, I can't remember what the low one. He just got back now, uh, but up to four hundred. So you could actually do a whole bunch of shit with that. I mean, you, you know, that yeah, that that'd be real, yeah. So that would be cool. I think that's gonna be great. Three sixty or something like that. You know what it is, Steve? What's up? For one <laughs> the, the like three hundred and something. 
No, no, you want to do a 220 to maximum 250. You can you can do it 250 in the oven for 15 minutes, but you're far better off doing it at like 220 or 230 and doing it for like an hour. It'll work uh, better. I'm about vaporizing, I think. That's what I'm thinking. Vaporizing. About. Vaporizing is 354, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds more like it. Roll. That's fair, Yep. We lost Alan, I guess. Huh? The phone went dead or something. So he said he said his signal was was getting super weak on his side. He was getting less than one G. Yeah, he's about. breaking up too. So that makes sense. At so, least it was for me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Yeah, it started getting bad there after a while. You know. Interesting stuff. So. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to the uh, the cup on Saturday. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, uh, Purity Medicinals, which is a uh, you know company that we announced last week, um, is is sponsoring uh, the um, edible pinata. There'll be a pinata there. It looks like an HAD light, and it'll be filled with all kinds of goodies that are cannabis related. So it'll be a lot of fun. You can do um, a general hydro bottle. That'd have been sweet. Right. We totally wouldn't get sued. It would be fine. <laughs> um and then uh what else was there going on oh uh tom you know uh we're entering in some some stuff uh this weekend uh we'll have the powder entered in we'll have our, our concentrate entered in um i think fish ganja guy's entering in his flower i don't think he's going to be there but i think he's entering the flower um and then uh yeah it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun i'm gonna try and do either a stream or we'll get some video footage um, I know we're going to have a, we're bringing a, Tommy's bringing a 3D camera so we can do 360 video. So if you got a, you know, phone or VR, um, you'll be able to get a really cool experience of what it's like to be at the DGC, uh, cup. So that'll be pretty awesome. Uh, you know, we can kind of do a 360 walkthrough, which I think would be pretty dope. And, um, uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing the homies, seeing the crew. Um, you know, if you guys aren't familiar, you check out dude grows, dude uh, they have a pretty cool podcast. Um, Marty and I were both on their show on Monday, um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, Marty talking about the woes of Oregon, and uh, I was talking about a little bit about purity medicinals. Um, what else? What else is there from this week? I had some videos up this week. I did a little short video on watercress. Um, I also did a video on decarboxylation, which we mentioned earlier. And um, I think I have one other video to do a um, to post that I did. Um, I'll be hopefully having some other video content here before too long. I'll be back on the road again quite a bit here in the next couple of weeks because of different conventions. The Vegas shows coming up. Um, there's a co convention in San Francisco coming up. It's all over. So it'll be a lot of fun. And the Aquaponics Conference. Aquaponics conference. You right? Oh yeah, and then all the new regulations that are going to come down. I think the count. One of the counties I'm working with is supposed to come down this week, supposedly. Um, yeah, that? all the fun shit. Santa Cruz, I think, is the one that's expected to go first, right? Santa Cruz or or San Mateo, one of the two. I forget. I don't even remember which one. I just have all my emails set up so that whenever it goes out, I get an email about it. Otherwise, it's impossible to stay on top of. Right. And so, you know, that, that same shit's going down in California. Just, 
I mean, like, I mean, it was written into 64, so I guess it shouldn't really be a surprise, but, you know, like every every city and county now gets to decide whether or not they want to be prohibitionist, and it's just ending up in more prohibition. And Yep. I had that, a discussion with somebody on Facebook, and they're like, oh, well, it's so good they passed Amendment 64, and it was like, no. actually, it's not. They, they, they banned the cultivation for medical patients all over the state, um, totally screwed up patients' rights, you know, totally screwed up dispensaries, productions, fucked up the zoning, um, caused just a numerous, numerous amounts of issues. And, and most of the people that are making these ridiculous statements aren't even based in the United States. And it's like, well, yeah, it looks great from over there, doesn't it? You know, you, you don't actually are here dealing with this crap. So especially with the regulatory structure and, and allowing townships to have any kind of say in this is, is complete bullshit. You know, I really, like, I don't think it should be any, I obviously I'm against prohibition at all, but the fact that it gets to be at both the city and the county level and that they're able to, like, all they put in is, like, reasonable legis or, like, reasonable regulation. Like, reasonable to who? Like, reasonable to my neighbor? Because that means I, I have to give his nose a safe place where he can't smell my flowers, right? I mean... Now he can have all the little horses he wants, you know. So like that's the, like that's the part where I feel like people just don't understand it. it it's not, um, it, it's not nearly as good as they think it is. That's that's just what it comes down to. Like especially sixty four. Like, you know, we talk about it so much. I talked about it in the Duke Grow show. You know, like the same thing that happens, but they it just allows them to be a fucking mafia. They show up at your house and they say, hey, you got some nice plants be a shame if somebody came and tore them all out you should pay us some money yep that's what'll happen and it's really no different i call them the jackson county mafia so i'm sure i'll get all kinds of shit for that but uh that that's just what it seems like to me like that's what happened to me like that's my experience they showed up my door knocked on the door said here's what's up and uh and i just don't think any anywhere else do you do you see that like Nowhere can I decide what my neighbor does with his property. Like, just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like, if I don't like rose bushes, I can't complain about his rose bushes smelling, right? Even if I'm allergic to a plant, I can't, I can't make a neighbor take it down. You, you can't do that. And that, that's talking about, like, your physical health. So, I, you know, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me, like, why it even happens. And especially, like, right now where I'm in the middle of, like trying to move and do all of this shit all because of that, essentially. Uh, it sucks. Or like Alan was talking about, you know, what it's like to have your rights taken away in your backyard. Like, well, yeah, I can grow food. And that's fine. But I do know what it's like to have my rights taken away in my backyard. And I have my rights taken away to grow my fucking plants in my own backyard. And it blows. That's what it feels like. None of you all like it. And I know not everybody, like, it sucks that... Some people don't get access to anything. And I end up feeling bad because I can still grow indoors. Like I still have some sort of legal system in order to be in there. And there's plenty of states that don't have anything that are less than legal as Steve calls them. And uh, so obviously that sucks, but you know, like that's, it's not really the point. I feel like we all have to keep, <laughs> keep in mind that like prohibition in general is what we're against in Prop 64 is prohibition disguised as legalization like yep 
profit mongering. Yep, absolutely. And just like I said, over over half the states banned cultivation. That does not sound like legalization to me in any way, shape, or form. Exactly, because yeah, they legalize it and then they give them a right to say you can't grow it here. Exactly. So they're just so that's you know that's a total contradiction of the whole plan in the first place. The whole and that's stripped away, stripped away all of our protections from two fifteen that people like Dennis Perone fought for. You know, it's fucking bullshit. I tell you, mm -mm. they kind of do that same thing in Maine again. No, don't get to talk with dummy enough, but he, he, they did. He was, he was just cruising with the med thing going on there. And he was a caregiver for some people. And, and then all of a sudden they made it recreational and they're kind of going, looks to me, sounds to me like, and of course they didn't have a plan at all. And it looks to me like they're going on the same road that's going on over there in the West coast. You know, now they don't know what the hell's going on right now. Right now he's got both. He can, he's got, recreational and he's still got his medical but you know it's in some places where they they i guess out there they're they're almost um like you said they're uh, well in your in marty's case it's because they won't he can't grow in his backyard that he can't provide people but you know like you said a lot of those places where they've legalized it for recreational they've they've ruined the medical whole, and, and you know what on the on the outside looking into me it almost sounds like a typical government corporate industrial complex thing where they're doing that to ruin the medical marijuana business to make it recreational and wild and woolly so that the freaking pharmaceutical companies can get up there and try to figure out some way to rob us of what we've been fight, fighting for for decades. Well, I think it's, you know, it's the owners or the investors of the pharmaceutical companies. They're just doing different, the same thing in a different industry. And so, you know, I call them vulture capitalists and they come yep. in and they ruin markets and then they buy up equipment at rock bottom prices. They buy up like in Washington's case, they buy up licenses at rock bottom prices from growers that can't meet requirements that already got licensing. So Washington only handed out a certain number of licenses and Washington's medical program never had uh uh, home grow in there from the beginning. So they always had sort of this weird program in the same way that like Illinois and Florida had these weird programs that never really got enacted for a while. And a lot of them, like Illinois has only state rent grows. You can't have any, um, you know, like they're all government indoor like grows. And I know this, I think this changed recently so that they have more licensing that they handed out or something, but there was a very limited amount for a while. You had to go buy it at the dispensary. Uh, as a patient, you only had like, you could only get like an ounce a month was like, you had a limit and the dispensary had to track how much you bought and like all of this other bullshit. And uh, you had to like, if you had special needs, you had to apply to get more. Like if you were like an actual cancer patient, obviously you need more than an ounce a month Hey, how are you gonna how are you gonna make RSO on an ounce a month? Like, what is that? And so, um, you know, like you have to go apply for all this special stuff, and then they, you know, like, it. There's so many like just bullshit medical programs out there that it sucks that the, or maybe it doesn't suck. Maybe it's on purpose that all of these really successful programs 
got recreational and and then got them shut down so like i, I just feel like there's there's a big conspiracy theory aspect to it like you're talking about Andre, like the uh the the same stuff they do in different industries they they tank stuff so they can buy up capital they can uh do all kinds of different stuff they can take out competition um you know they can uh, make money off of real estate zoning like you talked about i can't grow for other people here <clears throat> that shut down tons of growers um uh, in counties across oregon and even after that like so much competition just gone and uh it's not just that i can't grow outside i could only grow for myself or somebody else that lives here i can't grow for anybody outside even if i grew indoors and i can still only have 12 plants as opposed to before legalization i could have 72 plants and i could have them outdoors as long as i had a fence around them and i had relatively you know they had some regulations that you had to you had setbacks from the edge of the property but it was like 50 feet i think or maybe 75 feet whereas now i think it's 300 feet so there's all kinds of different stuff that's that's come in and all of it points to shutting down smaller people Right. Out competition, favoring people that have money. Like if you want to buy property, the you know, people are paying cash and are having an advantage. People that uh, um, that are essentially moving in or have outside money or or big funding get an advantage there, because somebody that's a small grower has probably already invested most of the money they have in where they've been, and are relying on having to sell their house. <laughs> I can tell you firsthand because that's what happened to me. And so uh, I, I just think that all of that, you know, like maybe it just feels more personal to me because it happened to me, but I do feel like you see so many other people and it, it's just so such a coincidence that so many people get shut down, right? As legalization comes in and a program that existed eight years or more before that. And nobody had, nobody needed smell ordinances before that. You know what I mean? Like, why, why do we all of a sudden need to provide these safe spaces for people? Um, it just doesn't doesn't add up for me. The same the council special member, snowflake special snowflake syndrome is spreading. That could be it. It's possible. It's like a viral infection. <laughs> yep. So <clears throat> I don't know, but it, it just seems to me like with everything favoring recreation, it's it's almost as cheap to get a tier one rec license as it is to uh, go through everything you need to go through in order to get a max medical grow. So <laughs> in the state now, a max medical grow is only six patients. That's only 48 plants. Okay. So to grow 48 medical plants is almost the same cost as to grow a half acre of recreational cannabis. Think about that for a second. How many plants can you fit into a half an acre? Uh, a shitload. Okay. Way more than 48. So when you start talking about disadvantaging or being at a disadvantage in the medical program, that's huge. Like even if you just want to stay medical and, and be a producer in the medical, because it's it's separate industry, right? You know, If you're a dispensary, you have to carry both medical and recreational licensing. So you have to pay the state for both of those in order to sell both of them to both markets. 
and a lot of them a lot of them are going recreational because for a dispensary guess what it's cheaper to be recreational than it is to be medical so and a lot of them are saying why you know like why should i do both people are going to come into the store anyway and buy it anyway they can carry all the same products there's only a few different things that a medical uh thing can grow or can carry in the dispensary that recreational can but for the most part it's the amount that you can sell for purchase but really that's it just works in the advantage of the seller anyway because now you have to come back again and you have to buy more right you can't buy it as much and you know you can't buy wholesale when you go in you know you can only buy so much so i think that's probably uh you know all of it everything favors recreational i don't i just you can't ignore the fact that everything gets planted towards that and away from medical like not just in favor of but also puts a, a, uh, uh, puts medical at a disadvantage and i think you'll see it completely disappear like washington who just doesn't have medical anymore and i think i would say i think last year i gave oregon two more years so i think it's got about a year left still that's probably i'm i'm, I'm thinking i'm going to stick with that I know enrollment's way down, not nearly as many people are enrolling because you basically only get two plants. Starting, and, and again, starting at the end of, uh, of this year, you can't have your medical and your recreational plants at the same. So right now I could have two medical cards and four recreational plants that I'm supposed to have by right, right? So that's 16 plants that I'm supposed to be able to have. Okay, but now their latest set of regulations is taking effect coming up this year. You can't have that four at the same place. So if you get a card, that means you can have six plants instead of four. So you're essentially buying two plants for uh, $200 for the, uh, just for sending in the application for the thing. You have to pay for the doctor's visit, which is probably going to be you know, another 100 to 150 bucks, depending on how long you have to go there. And you have to have documentation done on whatever uh, whatever your ailment is that you're applying for. So you had to see a doctor previously to that, too, to get all that stuff done. So by the time you pay for all that stuff, it's like, you know, four to five hundred bucks, depending on who you've gone to and what you've seen. So uh, all that to just grow two more plants. I think they're just trying to discourage people from from even enrolling, and it's already it's already way down. So as soon as it goes down, it loses funding. As soon as it loses funding, it becomes less efficient. As soon as it becomes less efficient, they want to cut it. And it's it's the same chopping block as every other state that's done it so far. So wow, seven hundred to nine hundred, depending on setbacks with five foot spacing, Fuck half an acre. Half an acre, 700 to 900 plants with five foot spacings, and depending on your setbacks and stuff. Yep. So 900, that's a lot of you just planted a whole half acre in the middle. Right. 900, I got 30 by 30. Yep. 30 by 30 with five foot spacing. Yep. Yep. So compared to 48. So just, so the, you know, it's something like, a, you know, that's 1800% difference. 1800%. Yeah. For 20% more in cost so it just so you know most of the people that you talk to now are going well you know i just need to go wreck 
you know, like, I, you know, what do you want me to do? It's math. And you can't argue with them. Like, as a grower, like, yeah, I get it. It's math. You can fit 900 plants. Like, why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> but you just feel bad for the patients that you used to provide free medicine to. Because then you'd get that, hey, we're the pot mafia and you're going to pay us money or those plants might get ripped up. Right. And then That's it gives you. everybody the opportunity. Any prohibitionist you, that you live next door to now has the ability to just call them up and say, hey, go harass these people because I don't like them growing their pot on their property. What do you, where else can you do that? Where else can you be like, hey, you know, like I don't like that on your property over there. And you can just call somebody up and have them come intimidate the shit out of them until they take it down. It's ridiculous. Anybody? You got anything? Because I can't think of any other time where that can happen. Like, unless a crime's being committed, like somebody's getting mugged, you know, like. What you gotta do is find like the worst smelling outdoor plants and then just plant those. You know, I found I thought I'd go the other way. I was like, I'll just I'll plant all sweet plants. Somebody else said this too, right? I think it was was it Tom that was on the other day too? Like like the, the Starfighter OG yeah. and the, the Platinum Delight cookies and like all those are just like super sweet smelling stuff, like not skunky at all. Right, so don't go skunk. Yeah, no skunk. That's what he was saying. Yeah. Shishkaberry, like all, like pretty much all the ones I grow are just like sweet and fruity and smell great. Like, so like, I know it's not the smell. It's that he just doesn't want me to grow it. He thinks that I shouldn't do it and he can impose his will on my backyard. Something that he would totally be opposed to otherwise, right? Hmm. Sounds like an asshole. That has been established. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely an asshole. He, the neighbor on the other side, when they moved in, uh, they put in four plants out back too. He had them shut down too. Wow. What's he walking around looking in people's backyards? Motherfucker used to work for the county. What you need to All do is... Oh, well, there you go. All he's got to do, he probably got it. He probably texted him. He probably didn't even call him. No, wait, he probably doesn't text anybody. He probably called him on his fucking rotary phone. You got to sneak in at night and just plant like 90 plants in his backyard and call a cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this guy deserves. You just got to load up, make, make his backyard look like a Christmas tree farm. You need some really quiet drone. <laughs> I think we can make this happen. Some drones, some really dry air pots. Right. We can do this. Although we just streamed this live, so I think maybe we can do it now. <laughs> Anyways, it's definitely be worth it. What you should do is at least leave one plant in the center of his backyard as a parting thing when you leave, even if it's just in veg. Or like on, do like on a doorstep with a little bow. You guys, you guys ever see that movie Grumpy Old Men? Yeah. Where you hit the dead fish in his car. I got access to some fish. Hit the, hit the dead fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that does come up sometimes. I got a neighbor like that too. And believe it or not, yeah, I've thought about that. Wouldn't it be funny if I 
opened up one of those little vents under the house and threw a fish down in there. I've been yeah. looking for a reason to knock the shit out of old Donald Trump anyway. So I'm thinking I could I could take him out and just lob him up on top of his shed. Right? Like just toss it over the fence, like up on top of the roof. And uh after a while it just starts thinking all hell. <laughs> Should we pour a little milk cut, cut a little, pour a little milk inside? Should it get some little little quicker? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay, well, we can't do that one either. Um, um, what, what do you got going on there, uh, <laughs> A lot of pressing and got a couple plants going. Uh, got me a four-foot scrog, OG Kush going, and I got me an Amnesia Haze going. Just started at Northern Lights the other day. Besides that, I've been doing a lot of pressing and been on ilovegrowingmarijuana.com, moderating on there. You getting that press dialed in, man? How's it going for you? It's great. I love it. It was dialed in within the first two hours of ownership. Cool. Really, that is. You got a great deal on that, too. Well, I got a great friend on the forum who has one as well, and I got to give a shout-out to Country John. He rocks. Uh, country boy, he also has a press, and it was fun going through the processes with him while he was trying to dial his in, so it was pretty cool. That's awesome. And then Dummy's got one too, but we don't, you know, we hadn't really got to talk with him much about it because he's going to school. So I'm wait. I can't. I can't wait for him to get a break from school so we can hang out a little bit, man. I'm tell sure they'll what. kick him out in no time. <laughs> That's a smart son bitch. I tell you what, I bet he's enjoying it. Uh, he he's been wanting to do something like that. I mean, we because he see what he did before was. A lot of his knowledge came from mon what, what do they call it monitoring college courses and botany and stuff. Um, right. where, he, you know, where he didn't get any college credit, really. You know, he just went in there and monitored it, and he learned it all. Uh, but he he just now he's come to the point in his life, and he's you know uh, he's still at the age where he's got a whole lifetime ahead of him, really. Other than the fact that he is you know fairly ill, so but hopefully he'll hang in there and. He wants credentials, you know, because he really, you know, he's passionate about having his business and doing, you know, having his labs up there. And um, I can't wait to get to go up there. I'm dying to, uh, I, I, you know, it's just, it's all, it's, <laughs> it's almost easier to go to California than it is to go to Maine where he lives. I tell you, it's a long way up there. I, I was going to take a bus and then I found, my buddy said, he's from Boston. He goes, well, it's like 13 hours or like it's still 13 or 16 or I don't know. It's either 18. It's 18 hours to either from here to Boston or 18 hours from Boston to where Dummy lives in Maine. And when you think about Boston, you think you're pretty much up north and it's still over half a day to get to his house in Maine. So from Boston. So it's up there, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh my, it takes three days to freaking drive up there. Yeah. 
so anyway, I don't know. I just sorry to go ranting on about it, but you know, I just miss my buddy. We used to, you know, back in the, before he started going to school, got sick and started going to school. We we were we hung out a lot. So learned a lot from him too about aquaponics, man. You know, looking at his his and systems and all, or his systems are unique. You know, and uh, it's really cool to see that that kind of thing like that. And he's real. He's really dedicated to it, too. I mean, you know, you know, you guys know that from talking to him. You guys know him for quite a while before I met you guys, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And then he got me on the show. He's the re reason I'm on this show. So, you know, so it's kind of cool. It's nice when he drops in. He's about due. Hadn't it been about two or three weeks? He, he's been dropping it about once a month since he's yeah. been, been in school, right? Yep. Yeah, I think he was about... Like maybe the third or fourth person I ran into who had done aquaponics before, because I, like I said, there was uh, Silver Arm, was the first one I ran into, yeah. and Steve was the second one I ran into, and then uh, Aquaponic Dummy, I think through Steve, maybe, or maybe it was just I found him on YouTube also. I don't remember, but he was so you know he's obviously been doing it a while too. So, and uh, like you said, he's got his own setup there with his giant pipes and. On super high pressure valves and all that stuff and uh, it's really cool i love that like he's like you said he's so dedicated to it like it's really uh infectious i think but it, it's definitely a cool setup and and like you said it's unique in that you know he's got those big drain pipes and Call now he's got the um uh, he's gonna go with the the fog ponics right isn't that what he's setting up now he said he was gonna yeah that well that's the last thing he was trying to dial in a little bit and again i i would know but again i don't get to talk to him hardly at all anymore uh he's just not available and he's not my understanding is he's not even at his at his store you know a lot anymore right. ever since uh ever since uh the issues developed uh a few months ago my, my understanding is uh, he's been staying with friends, you know, friends that can help him get around an emergency, get to the hospital and stuff like that, you know, and uh, yeah, I don't want to go too deep into that. And I only know so much about it because he, he wanted to wait till I, I think he wanted to wait till we ha could have like, we, you know, we, it's not anything unusual for us to have had a two or three hour conversation, you know? Um, so, you know, he wanted, he just wanted to tell me that, you know, he was, he was doing a lot better now and he made it through a real rough patch and, and he still hasn't really spilled the beans, but we know he's got diabetes really bad and we know he's got a really bad messed up back uh, from working at UPS and uh, that he can't sit for more than an hour. He's got to either lay down or stand up, you know, so, cause I talked about driving somewhere and he said, I can't drive that long. I can't get in the car and drive. So I got to stop every hour, hour and a half. And, and at that point to get back in the car, still it's so painful, you know? So I don't know if he got anything done with his back anymore, but I mean, they created a whole policy at UPS, you know, to hear and tell the story. Um, he wanted to go back to work and his injury actually made a, 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 a global, a global UPS policy about back injuries and whether they could come back to work and what, you know, and stuff like that. And so it's kind of, kind of wild, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, when we, when we get, I want to go up there 
because uh, he's still not finished. But I've had some really good tours of that. That that I call. I, I think of it as the catacombs. It's like he's got these room after room after room. After room, after room yeah. to the catacombs because it's in the basement too. <laughs> I had to watch his videos like two or three times yeah. sometimes just to figure out. Like I almost wanted to draw his floor plan. Like what's what's all going on here? And, uh, and I, I don't know if he'll ever be done with it. You know, like I mentioned before, I'm pretty sure last time he was on, or maybe, I'm pretty sure last time he was on, he was talking about dialing in that fog ponic setup and he was going to go with that and try it yeah. out. And, uh, and so I think that's going to be cool. And I just don't, you know, or maybe that's just what I think about myself. Like, like I mentioned, like, I think last week when, uh, when Jeff was on, uh, I've never grown the same way twice. Like all of my setups have literally been different. Um, so <laughs> I can't, I can't really uh, say too much about that because I, I change mine all the time too. And, and he kind of does the same thing, but he's pretty consistent with, uh, with his aeroponics there for a while. But now he's like, Nope, we're going fog. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sweet dude. I think he's still got, to, he's still going to have all the aeroponic setups he's already got. I, I believe the, yep. This the, the fog ponics is a system in a new room, right. um, but what's cool is, well, well, like you know, when he first when I when I first saw his stuff, he was using those big, those big like six to ten dollar lids, like five you know for five gallon bubblers, with the big you know the big net pots built into them, molded in, and right. he was using those on the top of those culverts, and then so he's got the store right, he's got the fish store hydro. Store, or whatever you call it, you know, the fish store, grow supply store. And uh, so he had all these big giant smart pots, like 30 and 40 gallons. So he cut them all up and made little, little pots to fit in those, those black tops to make his dual root zone. And that's how he did the dual root zone. He took and, and put it because his root zone, as was yours in Hydroton, his is dangling in aeroponics. Right. Aeroponic type system, all right, with sprinklers, spinning sprinklers. So, so uh, he he had the he had the the bucket lids, those big like those big black bucket lids, and he made he he cut up he he took all the smart pots in the store and cut them up and made these little baskets to put in his uh bucket lids and filled it with uh with a uh, ocean forest and and happy frog that's what he how he started it and so he he put the plants in that and then the roots would grow out into aeroponic and he he supplements it up there in the top in the dual root zone system so that's a different little bit different way i love the way you showed it it finally it finally you know because i was thinking you guys had like a solid bed running like a bucket or something like that or a big pot you know, filled with the hydroton in the bottom and then a divider, because I was even thinking of that today, uh, how you showed that. Because I originally, when I when I when it was first described to me, I thought the dual root zone was like you had this ebb and flow thing with a divider, and then you the whole thing was like like a medium, like a soil or soilless medium on top. But right. it's not, you know, or do people actually do it that way also? Well, you can. I think it depends on what you want to do, really. Like, if you wanted to put, like, say, you know, a, a different type of media, like cocoa, on the top, right? And you could do that, but you probably end up just having to supplement more. Because by adding, like, a living soil in there, you know, you can amend it with stuff 
like I use Langbenite or, um, yeah. or or different stuff that you would normally, uh, you know, any of your dry amendments that you can mix into your soil. And that allows you to essentially not really have to feed all that often. Like you don't really have to feed teas. Like without dual root zone, I probably feed teas twice a week. But with dual root zone, I can top dress twice a cycle, right? So what I do is I leave about this much on the top of the pot when the plants are still in veg. And then I'll come in right when they go into flower and I'll put a layer in about half of that so that it's not quite to the top of the pot. <clears throat> and then I'll come in about probably about three weeks, three and a half weeks into flower and I'll fill the and top top uh, dress all the way up to the top of the pot. So that way I can leave, right. you know, leave some more to put in. And, uh, and that'll be, you know, I could not feed any tea after that if I didn't want to um, and, and be able to supplement there, especially if like on this cycle now I have a larger uh, soil layer, right? I have larger pots than I had on my previous runs. So previously I fed more tea even with the dual root zone because my, my root zone was pretty small and I didn't, didn't have that much amended in there. I didn't really add too much there. I was still adding everything through teas. So this runs a little bit different in that I, I amended soil with the nutrients and put it in the dual root there, the dual root zone, and then top dressed it twice in flower. And I really haven't done much besides that. So this is slightly different feeding schedule, I guess, than what I've done before because I have a larger pot for my dual root zone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it. I and I. I just want to say I hate cocoa, so I would never use cocoa. That'd be a pain in the ass. That'd just be something more you have to deal with. That's the way I look at cocoa. It's. It always ends up being something you have to deal with. I. I like the idea of using an organic soil or a nursery mix or something to start with, and then, like you said, add your ferments and stuff like that. That sounds like the way to go for me, because I'm. I'm I use Pro Mix a lot. So you know. So. I, I, to me, I would probably, that's how I would probably start because then I'd kind of have a benchmark from having the knowledge of doing several grows in the last couple of years. And, and well, I use, I've been using ProMix for a long time. Uh, in fact, I didn't really use ProMix to grow cannabis in until the last year and a half or so where I started doing experiments and found it to be a great way of going, you know, because, um, well, I was doing a lot, I was doing a lot of experiments and stuff and I just found it to be a good, it, it's like a good place to start and then you add what you add to each one you want to do side by sides and then i started having really good grows really i even thought my quality got better but i think it has a lot to do with kind of having a regimen from doing the experiments for teaching people on the forum you know because like you said you always do it different well i'm always doing stupid shit to my plants you know <laughs> you know at the, at the risk of my yield in order to teach somebody something you know but i don't mind i i've never really gotten any shitty pot or anything i mean it's always been pretty good either way i mean i've killed some plant i've i've killed some plants and you know i but i mean i know i know why i killed them so that that's the reason i pushed the limits uh you know i did a like total rookie grow uh, about a year and a half ago where i abused the crap out of them uh I water stressed them. Hell, I actually killed two seedlings because I water stress and neglect, and and I showed all this in pictures. What how you know, what it looks like, you know what? Well, because there are people are always going, my seedlings are dying, or they're. I went over and then, so I I try to find out exactly 
you know, I try to do different things to see if I, you know, if, how much they'll take, you know, and then, uh, then I go ahead and I, then I grow the, I grow the plant and like I did, I didn't pH or anything. I did like a newbie that, that I can't, I can't afford pH pens and I never, or, or you get the guy that comes on the farm and goes, I've been growing for 15 years and I've never pH nothing. What are you going to say to that? Except I just don't answer the questions anymore. But you know, if they, if they take that kind of attitude, I'm sorry guys out there, but uh, you know who you are. Um, but, um, now it's now it threw me off track, but uh, <laughs> um, oh, oh, so so what I did was I I I I got I actually did this grow where I owned the only pH they got was the buffer that was in the nutrients. Like I did a side by side between um, Fox Farm, you know the trio, right. and uh, and Botanicare, which I used uh, Pure Blend Pro, and then I used the CNS seventeen for bloom and for the ripe at the end. Uh, and then I did it against, uh, well, with our, our flower power that we sell and, uh, and, and all I, and, and all I did was I mixed them up and I found that almost all of them buffered, they it buffered the, the, the pH of the solution between 6.4 and 6.7, which is arguably high for pro mix. Some people will tell you, you can't do it that high, but I didn't do nothing to it. I just did it that way. And then when I watered it, I used my well water, which is seven, you know, it's neutral. Nice. Uh, it's about 200 parts per million. Uh, I know it's got copper in it and chlorine and, you know, whatever else, you know, that you'd normally have in well water. I've never had it tested. Um, uh, but uh, and a little sulfur. Um, well, anyway, I, I, I watered that without even pH in it because I was doing like the total freaking you know, I'm not using any grow expertise here. I'm just going to put these plants in this. In, well, I did my regular, you know, starter cube, one gallon, and then the five gallons, you know, for indoor, I think five gallons all you need for indoor. And, uh, I mean, you could push eight gallons, but I think you're wasting medium personally. But depends on what you're, I, I guess, the size. If you got shitloads of lights in this big room with shitloads of high intensity lights, maybe you could go eight, 10 gallons. But to me, it's just a waste of medium. You end up with all this medium roots are all down here in this big bucket because the roots are going to go down and then spread around. So, um, but, uh, I, I'd never had it. I never pH or anything. I got a pound. I, I got a pound and a half out of two plants out of two OG Kush. I got three quarters of a pound from each plant and I never pH them or nothing. I just wanted to prove how adaptable, the experiment was to sh not to show people you don't have to do it right it, or, or take more time and effort. It was to show them how resi re resilient the cannabis plant is. Even though I took no precaution to pH or do anything like that, I was able to have a very successful grow. I thought under a 600 watt lamp, two plants, a pound and a half, I was pretty happy. You know, um, are you still there? Oh, yeah, right here. Okay. Sometimes you get so still. I thought your screen froze. All right. So, so I mean, it came out to where, and it wasn't again to to uh, to to promote. Don't don't take the precautions and and be proactive about growing the right way and and, and stay within parameters and the variables that you know you need to stay in. It was all. It was really about um, showing people how resilient and adaptive the canvas plant is no matter how much you abuse it see and so i was very happy with that and then i did the side by sides and 
And so, but that's where I would go getting back to the aquaponics. So having been experimenting with this and having success in these different ways of, of you know, each because each time I do the grow a little different too, uh, I, I would be perfectly, uh, and I'm going to set it up soon, but there's a million things to do. So I really don't have space right now, especially now with the, right? Huh? You say you have ProMix, right? That's what you normally use. You have some ProMix, right? I've been well. I used to do hydro and make my own soils and mediums and stuff, and I did a lot of hydro. And I just got to. I decided to start trying to use ProMix, and I'm getting pretty well. Some people say ProMix. Some people argue it's true hydroponics because it's soilless. So. They'll, so basically, they say treat it just like hydroponics. There's, it's a debate out there. I, 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 I tell everybody, you, everybody's going to grow their own way. You've got to learn your own way, and learn your own, do your own experiments, and and have trial and errors, and screw shit up, or you're really never going to know what you're doing. So right. do you have so, red worms? Did I? Did you mention before? I think you were talking about getting a red worm bin, or getting some red worms. Did you? Oh did well, you, we. I talked about maybe having a worm farm, but I was more about wanting to get, I've been wanting to get fish and stuff like that. Right. But now with the wood crisis, with the wood crisis, I don't see how I'm going to start my, because I have the, the all the stuff I was going to build these, a hoop house specifically for starting an aquaponics grow. And then you frame it up on the ends and, and double poly insulate it, right? Uh, blow some hot air in there in the winter and, and then, it, you know, 10 months of the year, it'll be great, you know? Um, but, but, um, it's not going to work out like that now. So I don't have the space at this point to start in aquaponics, but if I did, I think I would do your dual root zone. I'd start with pro mix because I know it's a good base. And then yeah. I would use your ferments and your labs and stuff like that. Right. Um, to, yeah, I would, that's a, I definitely think to hell with cocoa. I think what you guys are doing is the perfect way to do it just from, you know, if I were you, I would start with like 70% pro mix and like 30% uh, like Malibu compost or castings or something like that. Worm castings. Yeah, castings. Okay, um, well, I could, I could do that. Yeah, that's good. 70-30 with worm castings. That sounds great. Yeah, I would just amazing. start there and you can start feeding it, you know, kind of see how the plants go. But, you know, I think uh, – you know, there's all kinds of different stuff you can put in the dual root zone. I'm sure Steve has got a whole list. Actually, I'm pretty sure Steve has a whole spreadsheet of stuff yep. you can put in the dual oh, root yeah. zone. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. No doubt about it. Well, you, you know, actually, when I think about it, I probably could do some kind of dual root zone thing. Because uh, I probably could build a, a very small, a very small setup. I might be able to do that. Not, not what I was planning, and I think that's where I'm getting at. I, I can't do what I was planning. Well, you're a pepper guy. <laughs> Grow some peppers. Huh? I said you're a pepper guy, right? Grow some peppers. Yeah. Oh, well, I could do that. No, I'm, I'm just saying I can't do what I'm planning as much because I was going to grow peppers with it and tomatoes, but uh, I, I can't do as much with it as far as growing the big system that I wanted to build. I'm good, But I might be able to do a one or two plant aquaponics indoor system. I might be able to pull that off. Yeah. You know, that might be pretty cool. You know, I got enough lights to do like four or five different little grow areas, you know, from my accumulation of old. I got old lights, you know, new lights. And nice. Well, so it work. So I, I see Hogmaster made it back. 
Well, what time's it getting Barely. to be? I, I actually turned my life around uh, sleep-wise lately. I did a, a four-hour whenever I got tired until all of a sudden I was going to bed between 11 and 2 in the morning and getting up like at 6 or 7 in the morning, and today I got up at 7. So I'm that East Coast guy that is pretty freaking late tonight. <laughs> is it time to wrap up? Or, Steve, you got any big announcements to make tonight? Or not to be uh, no. trying to run the show or nothing, but, you know. No, just uh, the um, we'll be at the show this weekend. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anybody? The show has cost me. The show has cost me a little bit of a hardship, but uh, we won't really get into that. This show? Like no, tonight. not the show. The, the edibles oh. I made for this weekend got me in some trouble. So. Oh, <laughs> I see. Did, um, not me in any real trouble. Just... What's wrong with the show, asshole? No, no. So, do we have any chat questions tonight? Oh. Did we run everybody off already? Uh, not too many people in chat tonight. Dutch was here. I don't know if he's still here or not. He was talking about Michigan. Unless I'm lagging. Uh, I, I grew some. This cheers. What's up, I grew some? Jeremy and growing green. But yeah, there was a lot of people who didn't uh, didn't show tonight that are normally normally on the show. So. Well, I mean, once oh, once okay. you have Tom Alexander one week and two weeks later Jeff Lowenfels, I mean, you know. We started off a little slower tonight, and pe people probably said, where, where's, where, where know, uh, A lot of people know Alan. It's all good. Oh, no, he Alan was, was cool. Just, and then he got cut off. It was a bummer because yeah. I was getting into it. I, I should have thought... in the PSA. That's what I should have done. I probably had a lot more people. Yeah. You bum. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, we I had know. a little bit of feedback. There's been a couple people. I don't know what they're calling themselves in the, when they're in chat. But we've had a little bit of feedback, not a whole lot, but uh, two or three people talking about they evidently watching it. You know, they're trying to identify us, you know, figure out who we are. And, you know, they were even asking why one of our mo other moderators weren't wasn't on the show. And it's like, well, it's not our show. I mean, you know, we're panel, but, you know, it's not it's, it's not our, it's not the forum show. We're just the guys from the forum are on the show. You know? <laughs> you know? yeah. So. Alrighty. Well, uh, yeah, if you guys are around, um, hold on, I'll pull up the, uh, actually, Marty, why don't you give your stuff and while I'm looking this up. Well, yeah, so check us out on the uh, Aquaponic Facebook Growers group. Um, yeah, Aquaponic Cannabis Growers. On Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Facebook group. Um, and uh, my channel is AP Meds. Definitely check that out. I have the class coming up with Steve um, with the online class in conjunction with his in-person class at Ouroboros. Uh, so that's going to be cool. Check out uh, Purity Municipal's website. It's got some sweet pictures from yours truly <laughs> on there. And, uh, and it's a really cool website. You can see Charlie doing the shocker. Check it out. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> I sent it to Steve the other day to cheer him up. Got a laugh out of him. Uh, so, yeah, check out the website. That's pretty funny. And a uh, couple of cool pictures on there. And, um, uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else that's going on right now. Uh, yeah, that's about it. And um, so if you guys are interested, come out to the Northwest Cannabis Club 
in Portland, Oregon. It's on 1195 Southeast Powell Boulevard on Saturday. It's 7 a.m. or sorry, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, and uh, yeah, come out and support us. Come hang out. A um, bunch of the DGC will be there. Um, you'll be able to smoke there. We'll have a competition. We're going to be entering in the competition. We'll also have a booth there uh, for purity. It'll be pretty fun. So. Right on. Yep, yep. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, but that's 30 bucks, I think, at the door. Uh, Memory serves me right. Um, don't quote me on that, though. Mm -hmm. Yep, like like Marty was saying, we have the, the class on the 21st and 22nd. And um, check out my YouTube channel, Poet and Ponics. Um, has a bunch of stuff. I've been uploading some more video lately. So, and um, what about uh, what about you, uh, Roger? Uh, well, I'm I'm doing my thing at I Love but I wanted to mention because last week, well, I don't know if I mentioned it till after the show, but we talk about our flower power nutrients quite a bit. And if you want to check them out, you can go to I Love Growing and and I click on through and, and buy a starter pack or whatever. Um, I think you'll love them. Uh, they're coming out of the Netherlands. That's uh, great stuff. Um, and also, I'm going to be probably showing a, a nice uh, personal little small rosin forge next week. And, uh, and we're probably going to be selling that on the site, too. So look forward to that. I think everybody will love that for something you don't have to lug around a big machine or anything. And you can get some dabs uh, in about in less than five minutes and be a real happy kind of guy. So we're looking forward to announcing that next week. All right. And uh, what about uh, Hogmaster? I think you already mentioned uh, your stuff, right? Or yeah, you can find me at ilovegrowingmarijuana.com. All righty. And uh, be sure to check out um, uh, Alan's links. They're in the description. It's growkashi.com. And then we didn't get a chance to talk to him about his magazine or the magazine he's working with, which is Skunk Magazine. Uh, or you can check him out over at Pro Probiotic Farmers Alliance on Facebook. So. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next week. Um, still in talks with, we'll get Ed on here. In the next, we weren't able to get him on in September, but we will get him on. Um, part of it's just scheduling with him. So he will be available. We're just. It's taken us a little longer than we had hoped, so. And uh, working on some other cool guests for you guys, so. Alrighty, uh, see you guys um, on Saturday. I'll probably do some kind of live stream with Marty and some of the other guys, so. We'll see you guys then. Take care. Thanks. Great job. See ya.